0: Sorry, I'm getting emotional. I'm I was like, are you crying up. already? Meg? Oh, I, love this. I, I didn't love even this. say
1: anything too big yet. Oh,
0: we haven't even started. This is going uh, to okay.
2: be great. Hi, Val. I'm so glad that you could join us today.
1: Hi, Meg. I am so excited to be here.
2: Lindsay, Sarai, I want to introduce you to an amazing human being. We met each other in our college years. Val is is going to share a bit just about who she is and how do you identify out in the world?
1: Uh, I identify as a lesbian. I also identify as queer, so either one is fine for me. I'm I'm the L in the in the alphabet mafia.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank you for coming on and talking with us, Val. This is something we have wanted to talk about for a long time um, with a variety of different voices, people like across a variety of sexuality spectrums and their experience uh, within and then outside of
1: the church. And we're just, yeah, it means a lot that you're willing to come talk to us. So thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful for a space to talk about it. Obviously, My experience is very much my own. And it's different for as I meet more people that grew up evangelical or grew up within a religious environment. Our experiences have so many threads of similarity and so many very particular differences. Um, So I'm grateful to be able to tell my version of the story. Hopefully, that can be relatable for some people um, and, and give others space to explore their own stories.
2: So, where should we start? Growing up evangelical is its own, like, knotted mess all on its own. But let's talk about you and when you started to think about your sexual identity in a way that was not, did not fit in with what you were raised with. Yeah. So,
1: my story as far as coming out actually only started about five, five years ago now. Um, I, Having been raised in the environment I was, and the, the short, short version of it is a very deeply conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical Christian. Um, I'm the daughter of a pastor who is the daughter of a church planter. So we have a long, long storied history of, um, not just religion, but very assertive religion for a uh, lack of a better way of framing it. And, so my entire life, I'm now 38, going going on 39. My entire life was very much spent following those norms. Um, there's neurodivergent pieces in there as well that allowed for a lot of masking. So it became a habit for me to become what I needed to be in that environment, to blend in, to be able to be no trouble to anyone because trouble is just a lot of effort. And I was lazy and didn't want that sort of effort. Um, and so I ended up coming out of the closet When I moved away from all of my immediate family throughout my life, I've lived within a few miles of family almost the entire time um, and found that when I finally moved to a different state that was away from them, that I was able to explore who am I as a person outside of a family association, um, outside of that family enmeshment. And it was (laughs) within two months of moving what? to Orlando, Florida, that I was sitting on a couch with a friend of mine from work. And, uh, she was asking me what I envisioned for my future, what I envisioned, uh, for my dreams. And I said, you know, I really want a partner. I want to, I want to be with somebody. And she said, okay, well, is that person like male presenting female presenting? What is that? What do you have envisioned? I said, I don't have a specific person, but actually, yeah, kind of definitely, absolutely. hundred percent is a woman. <laughs> And so it was a pretty surprising revelation as far as, as soon as I was given permission Mm -hmm. to allow that to be a concept for myself, there was no doubt in my mind that absolutely that is a hundred percent what I am and what I want for myself. Um, so it was a pretty, in that sense, it was a very clear late in life coming out story. Um, and then since then there's been a lot of growth and change and and learning. So that's the short version.
0: Wow. I feel like I have
1: 18,000 questions. (laughs) Great. Let's get into it.
0: Um, Well, so did you only date men up until that point?
1: I did. I also was uh, part of the conservative Christian group that I was in. I was homeschooled. I was raised very much in deep, deep purity culture. And so I did not date at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when I finally started seeing people when I was a little bit later in my The mid to late twenties. They were all men, and for some reason, for some reason, who knows why, I kept sabotaging these relationships, uh, and they didn't work. I
2: know, right? You were like, I don't know, I'm kind of bored with you, and I'm I'm not really into making out. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I thought making out was so gross. Oh no! Amazing. I love making out, but oh, I was not into it. Yeah. Do you feel like
2: you had, like, you didn't have room in your brain to even ask the question to yourself who you wanted to be with. It was just a, like, obviously you're going to be with a man. Like how did that work for you?
1: Yeah. So I was talking to a friend about this yesterday and today where I remember this phrase in my head from growing up, which was that, your highest calling in life, Valerie, is to be a wife and mother. I was told that so many times. And so I had it so entrenched that that is, that is what, not only what I am, but what I will be. And everything in my life should be geared toward becoming that more and more and taking all the steps that I need to, to get there, that there certainly wasn't room for it. Um, There was also a lot of, of course, fear about what it would mean if I were to explore it. And so it, it just didn't even occur as a possibility there are a couple of reasons there was the fear but there was also in idaho there's little to no representation that is not weaponized so the stories that i were was told or the people who i was pointed to as representatives of the queer community were people who were dying of aids when i you mm-hmm. know when i was growing up it was people who were um being uh, being prosecuted as sex offenders and things that are now these horrible cliches that are so clearly cherry-picked to create a scare narrative. But then I didn't understand that. So the representation I had was, this is so bad that it didn't even occur that I could be relating to any pieces of that.
0: That's so wild to think that like this is something that clearly seems like is such a part of you and who you are, but that wasn't even... You know, it sounds like. Did you do you feel like there were ever times where there are inklings where you thought that you might be queer, but it just you did have some of those whispers. Oh my gosh, yeah. So (laughs)
1: it's been it's been hilarious coming out uh, later, and I've I've talked to other friends who've come out later, and they have similar experiences where we can go back and look back at different elements of our life or pieces of our life and be like. Ah, that was, that was clearly something else. And I wasn't recognizing it. The classic one that I've heard a lot of people talk about was the, do I, do I want her or do I want to be her? And there was mm-hmm. this like growing up. Oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with this woman. She's gorgeous. She's so well put together. I want to be exactly like her. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. I did not want to be exactly like her. <laughs> I wanted her.
2: You're like, uh, no, 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 I want to be this. I want to be me.
3: Yep. You super hot.
1: Yeah,
3: that isn't that funny. I I feel like um, I just identify a lot with that description because it is so interesting how coming of age in the 90s at like, I don't know if it's the height of homophobia, but wow, was it a lot like that was deeply a part of general culture as Mm -hmm. well as, of course, extra extra in the evangelical world. And I remember in middle school, people, talking to me, like not middle school, but high school, all the boys in the youth group were like, you're a lesbian. And I'm like, am I?
1: (laughs) I had that much uh, after college. There were a couple of times where either I would get asked out or people would would kind of be like, oh, well, you're clearly gay, right? I was so offended. (laughs) Like, how dare you think I'm turns out? Yeah, I had after I came out, there was one person that I reached back out to on Facebook. And I was like, okay. So yeah, you were right. Like I was I was really pushing hard against that, but you are dead on. I was so gay the whole time. <laughs> what was
2: your reaction when like how would you push that away? Would you like like in what were you like, "I'm a tomboy. I'm a I'm just a masculine woman." I just yeah. like what was the way that you stopped yourself even from like letting that like receiving that?
1: Yeah, so there were a lot of it was set up for me to ignore it, right? So there's Um, a lot of the, oh, these women in history that you're learning about in this book that lived together and didn't care for men, Mm -hmm. they were clearly just best friends. So there's a lot of the best friend narratives, even like David and Jonathan, right? Like, really? We think, really? (laughs) Yeah. But they are clearly not gay. They are just best friends that happen to sing these gorgeous love songs to each other. That's totally normal. Um, So that part was really easily set up for me to assume that, no, no, whatever you think is any sort of romantic love or attraction is truly just friendship. And it's this friendship that only you experience in this way. Apparently, other people don't feel obsessive friendship as strongly as you do for your very attractive friends. But that's what that is instead. There was also uh clearly the tomboyish part. So I was athletic, I played volleyball and basketball and was a swimmer and that sort of thing. And so there was this idea that no, that all of those tomboyish or athletic tendencies are just, you know, how athletes move and walk and that kind of thing. It's got it's interesting now because you can almost spot um queer people, which is not Everybody's themselves. So there are some people that are queer that walk a certain way and some people that are straight that walk that same way and it can get confusing. But certainly I walk and I talk queer. My voice is lower. I dress um, fairly masculinely for most femme presenting women that I grew up with. Um, But I definitely had this assumption that, no, I need to learn to wear the dresses. I need to dress more femininely. I remember being taught how to cross my legs appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently that tripod where we sit with our, our ankle on our knee is not as feminine as we're supposed to be. So I tried to suppress that for a long time, but most of them were... Framed as this is the appropriate way to be feminine. Um, anything else outside of that is just your own quirks or weirdnesses or social anxiety or what what have you.
0: And what? Um, so you said you were raised in Idaho. You're a pastor's kid. Yep. I'm a I'm a pastor's kid as well. Um, I I lived all over the place, but uh, did some time in Wyoming, so not too far from Idaho, and uh, Alaska. Lots of weird little conservative towns. Um, So I feel you. I feel you there a lot. Um, Can I ask what was like, did your church talk about homosexuality like from the pulpit? Was that a thing that was or was it more kind of just like whisperings you know,
1: behind the scenes? Do you remember sermons being preached on that? Yeah, that's a really hard question for me to answer because so much of my upbringing was suppressing all of it. Even conversations Mm -hmm. around it, I've pushed down really, really hard. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely know that I've heard tons of sermons on homosexuality. They usually would go the route of um love the sinner, hate the sin, which I say mm-hmm. with the biggest eye roll I can possibly muster and probably a little bit of, of frustration in my entire body. I mean,
2: it's, it's garbage. That theology it's is awful. It's
1: hateful. I,
2: I find myself um middle finger raising. Like yeah. in a little dance when that happens, like, fuck you, fuck yeah.
1: you. I get that same, I get that same dance, Meg, with the thoughts and prayers after shootings. Um,
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Fuck
1: yeah. off. So, nope, that doesn't work. Exactly. I don't want your thoughts. I don't want the prayers. They're not helping you have other options. Um, the, so yeah, lots of, lots of love the sinner, hate the sin. What I saw more often was the person pointed to. Um, I had a basketball coach who was, clearly queer um i was on the i was playing sports as the homeschooler i got to play sports in the public schools and so there's this great secular situation where i'm with a i know right with a <laughs> with a coach who is not necessarily a christian and she might actually be gay too and there nice. were a lot of whispers both from the girls on the basketball team with me, as well as then, okay, here's, let's, let's be thoughtful about this. Still love your coach. Like just be, be kind to her, but also keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very much a approach anybody queer with caution. There was definitely, definitely a lot of conversation around the, the gay agenda. Um, yeah. And how clearly the gays are trying to make everybody gay. And that's how it works. Um, And they're
2: winning. I mean, look at all these people coming out. I don't know what to tell you, but sorry, very effective planners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very impactful uh, on how that has worked. Yep. And I definitely heard the, this is a decision. It's not Mm. like there's no geneticism in there, that sort of thing. And then a lot of times um, there were, when I when I was a little bit older and it was less the love the sinner, hate the sin conversation, it turned more toward this is a decision to actually live in that lifestyle or not. Um, and a lot of conversations around this is just such a cool, fun thing to do. Like, look at how sparkly that community is. People get sucked into this awful lifestyle where everything is promiscuous or everything is uh, going to cause hurt. Um, and that and that any consequence that happens, and this is a really, really toxic piece of it. Anything that goes wrong as a queer person is because they're queer. It's not because they're humans living life. It's not because of outside factors. It's not because of normal human mistakes. It is because they are queer.
3: Yeah, God's wrath has come upon them.
1: Which ends up being really, really hard as a queer person who has come out to unlearn those lessons. Um, I was at one point engaged. And when I broke that engagement, there was a lot of for me, there was a lot of concern of, well, how do I convey this to people that care about me and that that I'm feeling this pain here without having in the back of my head that they're going to say, ah, that's because it was a gay fight. Uh, fiance that you had there. That's because this is a gay relationship and not because this is the relationship that wasn't the right relationship for you. Um, So there's a lot of that that ends up throttling the kind of support you have, especially in my experience. There's a lot of mistrust I have for people that I grew up with and how they Will support or not support. I have to default to the assumption that they are not going to be supportive Mm -hmm. because the risk is just too great on my side. There's no risk on their side, but the risk is pretty high on my side. If I let them in, um, that they will reject or use me as another slide on their PowerPoint that shows failure.
3: At the Talk. very least, they could have the courtesy to make you into a flannel gram and like, do just have a little you that they're like, and then this, cause that would be, <laughs> that would at least take some work, you know? Well,
1: yeah. I'll take that. Kind
3: of, it would be kitschy. Yeah. But right.
1: Still horrible. Right.
3: Still very horrible. Yeah. Just a little like, bit. Horrible camp. So it's acceptable. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. the whole irony of it all. I'm really curious about what your relationship with religion has been in your adulthood. Like, are you still like a Christian evangelical? How do you identify in that way? And like, what has changed for you in that or around that community slash belief system? um, You know, since you've come of age, but also, of course, coming to coming to terms with your sexuality.
1: Yeah, so it's been a long journey. When I first met Meg actually, the the church that we were both involved with was helpful in uh, giving space to ask questions, sort of. I say that I say that with a bit of an asterisk there. You could ask any question. Um, whether the answer was direct to that question or whether it was kind of a workaround to make sure that that question somehow got answered is a little bit up for debate to me. Um, but that did, that did empower me. And my, my dad was actually similar growing up where every Sunday we would have sit around the kitchen table and we could ask whatever question we wanted as I got older and investigated other ways of answering those questions, it became clear that the answers to them were very targeted in a specific way. We needed to get to a specific answer, so we'll get there. Um, But what that did was it at least instilled in me for a very, very long time that questions are healthy finding the right answers was a little bit trickier piece of it. Um, But what that means for religion was I actually was not the first person in my family to come out. I have um, a cousin that was the first out of the closet. Um, They use they, them pronouns. And so that was a whole kerfuffle with my family trying to figure out who would respect that, what that meant for particularly my parents' generation. And a lot of it was ugly. Um, A lot of it was very hurtful. And so I have such deep respect for this cousin who just, completely smashed through a wall there. Um, My older brother also came out of the closet about five or eight years before I did. Um, And so he also smashed that wall with my immediate family in ways that I think was really, really helpful. It would be interesting to to talk to more men who grow up in the evangelical culture because the there are a couple of things that are different about him. He very much presented as, as queer, in my opinion, all growing up. And so he would be, you could see him from a mile away. You could see it coming. Um, my experience was very much under the radar. And so it surprised a lot of people when I did come out. Um, similarly, there's a lot of hypersexualization of women who are queer, not so much with men. They get demonized pretty heavily. I remember there being conversations around, do we let gay men babysit the kids kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, really, really awful buying into um, some pretty harmful stereotypes that are not statistically proven to not be true. They were they were just built up by conservative media to make people afraid of, of queer people. Um, so different experiences there, what that meant for me. And the only reason I explained that my brother came out of the closet before me was because I was still a religious at that point. I would still have considered myself. I was going to a church, considered myself religious. In fact, the way that I would vet churches was I would ask them how they feel about queer people and if they would welcome them into the church. Um, and usually the answer I would get was like, yes, but we would, we would want to work with them and talk with them if they're actually living a gay lifestyle. Like if they are gay, that's fine basically just make sure that they're celibate. If they're not going to be celibate, then we got to kind of talk about how that's sinning. Um, So that was when he came out, I had a huge reckoning with myself to figure out what do I do? If I am a person who at that point, I believed that being that living a gay lifestyle was sinful. So great. If that is sinful, then why would God create people who are clearly gay and then say, nope, you don't get love. Nope, you don't get fulfillment. You don't get to have sex. You don't get this entire experience that is available to so much more of the population. And it's, it's not just queer people. Like you, I had similar questions then that would come up with people with disabilities. Um, you know, what do you do with, with the thought of an all-powerful God who then gives people such a shitty, shitty life? Um, and that was agonizing for me to figure out what to do with that. When I came out myself, I gave religion about another week, uh, and then stepped away from it and am happy to not be part of it anymore. At this point, a lot of Christianese or <laughs> worship music is deeply triggering. Um, and generally it's because I do, I'll go to pride and I'll see the groups of people that say, Jesus loves you, um, come here and be, and be redeemed, Ugh. be brought back into the kingdom. <laughs>
0: No, thank you. <laughs> just makes me so sad. I mean, all of it, it just, it's even some of the stuff you're saying, Val is things I didn't even realize, you know, about the messages that, um, like it, the, what you said about the babysitting thing. I never thought about that. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm sure my church or my parents would have been this. They would never have let. you know, like, even though i don't recall them ever saying that yeah it's definitely something that like again that was ne- never said from the pulpit and that's why i find evangelicalism is so interesting because like what is said versus also like what is acted upon are oftentimes can be a little different um and certainly more intense like mm-hmm. <laughs> behind the scenes and just thinking back to how i know how people we're queer, we're treated within the church. And it's interesting. I have a cousin as well, who was the first in our family to come out. And um, it's actually my youngest cousin and um, same thing, changed their name, used they, them pronouns. And, you know, looking back now and thinking upon their younger years and, you know, again, with like the weird Christianese that, and I didn't know, you know, it was like, you know, I was told that They were being preyed upon by a girl in their school who's like, you know, it's always the other person's fault who's like converting this poor innocent child to to being gay and what have you. So then they they sent my cousin to a different school to like fix that, you know, sent them to like a (laughs) Christian school or what have you. And I, you know, I do not but my cousin now like lives with their partner in a different state, changed it like, and their parents are coming around. Do use the proper pronouns. Like I think they've been able to repair at least somewhat. But watching the the ripples in in my family and watching my my grandmother's funeral was four years ago and that cousin was great like that cousin showed up and i was you know and i was just like more i couldn't believe it. i was like i wouldn't have come if i were you you know like i don't even think my grandma ever knew but to show up there in front of my very conservative grandfather like and be their like true self it's it's I can't even imagine how much of like courage that must have taken. So us younger cousins, you know, the progressive, we're always trying to be like, "We got you," like you know, <laughs> just just try to be there in sol- solidarity. And I have a um, gosh, what's the term? I guess a ni- nibbling. Now I'm trying to figure out what's the gender don't the gender neutral term for niece or nephew. But same yeah. thing is like I've heard nibbling. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's the same thing. My my parents kind of tried to pull the love the sinner, hate the sin thing. Not in those terms, but in that, like, of course we love you and we'll always love you. And it's just like, but do oh, you, if I you gonna say, what's th-
2: the new, what's the new hate
0: the sin, you know, love the sinner. I mean, center. it's like, just what a we different way now? of, it's just a different way of saying that. And, you know, my mom feels really bad and has since apologized, but like the gut reaction was upon finding out that her grandchild is queer. Her reaction was sadness. Mm-hmm
2: and not not
0: elation and love and opening to this whole new sadness and like like, i'm gonna accept it and i'm gonna right and i'm gonna accept it and i'm gonna love you but also it makes me sad and it's like of course that kid's internalizing that how do you not like then you're sad about who i am also like have a slight amount of emotional
3: maturity and process your own fucking emotions grandma (laughs) <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. No, seriously. Like this that's isn't part of, about you, grandma. Right. That's part of what like, I feel like boomers are always doing is like, this is about me somehow. Obviously it's not. So maybe like move on.
1: <laughs> I've seen that too. get, get covered up really quickly as a, like, I'm sad. I'm sad that you're going to have a hard life. Like yes, or, uh, or you could choose to celebrate and we could all find so much joy in this situation. Like, think of the fact that your daughter thought that she was gonna die alone. She was heartbroken, and suddenly she sees this entire opportunity to live her life with somebody that she really connects with and loves. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm not sad companionship,
2: like, Come on, like right. yeah, I'm not I'm not sad when people can find love. I'm just not. I, I don't think we should be. And <sighs> I think I'm done. <sighs> I think, I think love is the cure. Love is love. I don't know. I just, can we be there? Like just be in that space and sit there for just a minute instead of going to like my heart, you're going to go to hell. I made it Southern. <laughs>
1: that was not on purpose. Like bless your heart. Yeah. That was, that was one of the, um, one of the more painful reactions coming out and generally speaking i would say my coming out journey to my family was as well as i could have expected i i prepared myself for the worst um and was very very pleasantly and gratefully surprised but there was definitely at least one reaction of <laughs> okay we we know and believe that you're gay we just really really hope that you're right with god oh and that's oh. rough that's rough because there's yeah. so much wrapped into the assumption of what it, is, what it is to be right with God, of what my relationship with God is, of under that, there's no way that you can hear that and not assume that under that means, mm, yeah, we've all believed for our entire lives that being gay is not okay. So like, just make sure that you get it good with God at some point.
0: Whatever that even means. Like, I just oh, I'm like, okay, like I feel good, then
1: ugh.
3: This I, is where I'm like, what if I'm just a Calvinist conveniently? And I'm like, once saved, always saved, bitches.
1: <laughs> I definitely, I mean, when I was yeah. a little kid, I was so worried about not being always saved. I carved it into the bottom, the bottom of my bed, like underneath my bed. I went under there to write like on this date, you did say the sinner's prayer. So you're good, oh, kiddo. i Oh,
2: take that to- with you to heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, we'll set have that the bed pearly in gates. In Here castle. comes Val with a little scribbled on bed frame. <laughs> Here's my ticket.
3: <laughs> Let me get Gosh. one of those crowns I keep hearing so much about. <laughs> <laughs> Extra jewels, please. <laughs>
0: Maybe I've been watching too much RuPaul. I feel like this is such a RuPaul question, but like oops, my eight-year-olds is like so into Drag Race. It's like our show. It's like what we watch together, which is I great. Um, which is funny because the where the season we're watching is the first. Um, I'm very confused with this. The first like straight male contestant, which I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, <laughs> all that to say this question of realized I was like, what would you like want to tell like your younger self? Like, is there something you wish that like little Val like would have would have known
1: so it's less tell and it's very much what i want to be as i was thinking about this conversation the last week the theme that keeps coming up to me is representation and especially as i live in orlando florida um right now in the in the heyday of don't say gay i went to um a a board of medicine meeting hearing last week where they were gutting trans care um I'm very much in an environment where drag shows are being canceled or um, I think it was about a month ago, the local queer bar that we all hang out at in the middle of the night. Nobody was there, thankfully, but it got the windows shot out of it. And so I'm very much in an area and in a time where there's so much work being done to hide and to push people back into the closet and to make sure that, um, one, we don't get to live joyfully without fear hanging over our shoulders. Uh, But also there's so much misguided assumptions that just seeing queer people will either make kids gay or not gay. That the thing that I would wish I could give my younger self would be a representation of just what queerness is and that there's so much health and love and joy. I moved out of Orlando for a little bit and then back to it because the queer community here it's so beautiful and supportive and thriving and i've found such a lack of of judgmentalism in this community like there's so much acceptance and it's not just acceptance of tolerance which is what i am used to growing up like yeah we accept that this is happening we will tolerate it but there's so much othering that comes as part of that um i've seen so much less of that in the queer community in ways that are really really beautiful and of course like any community we have our 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 bumps and our challenges, but generally speaking, the assumption is come as you are as a human being. <laughs> yeah. We get to finally use come as you are, um, but come <laughs> as you are and we will celebrate you and we will all get to be exactly as we are ourselves and build a community around figuring out how we can help each other, how we can interact with each other, how we can love each other. Um, and that's what I would want to have been able to see in a way that was healthy instead of. And you know what your best,
0: your help busting that bullshit myth of like the hard life right like that's the thing that i think that people need to know about like the only thing hard about like like i feel like it's on the other side like you're making it hard for queer people to have a good life you know like it's it's not being queer doesn't make life hard your reaction to queerness is what makes it hard for people and so that whole that whole thing of like i don't want you to have a hard life then
1: great except it. don't stop make clutching I'm your hard. damn pearls at me and then we'll stop having a hard life it's great
0: <laughs> and also freaking go to pride people like see the joy and the love that like going to pride has changed my and i i, I do like to say, as as the lone church goer here which i get it like if if any of y'all never want to darken a church door again like more power to you. I totally understand. But like when I knew that my funny little Episcopal church was the right spot for me is um I made the decision one Sunday to I think it's like right when I first started attending to go to church on Pride Sunday. And then I was just going to leave early and then go to the parade after that church was freaking empty. There was no one there it was so empty. And I was like, Oh, right. Okay. Now I just know we don't go to church on Friday. We just we're down at pride. Okay. That's good to know. You know? And I was like, this, this is the right spot when you don't feel like you have, you have to do both because honestly, like going to pride, it's, it's kind of a spiritual experience. Like it's, it's, it's kind of going to church. So in a, in a way more
1: fun way, (laughs) (laughs) a lot more glitter in this church. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to see, too. I'm always grateful at the pride parades that I've been to seeing the churches come through, even though that's not something that I participate in anymore. Seeing people who because there there is risk there as a church in um, supporting the queer community and affiliating yourself so strongly with that, that I am grateful to see that they're willing to do it. It's not obviously not something that I participate in, but it's nice to see. OK, yes. Yes. I don't have to look at that black and white version of either the entire Christian community is going to hate me or, or we're going to be okay. I I can build some nuance in there and seeing that represented in in the pride parades. And when they come around is really, really helpful. The other one, oh my goodness, if you've not done it and you are willing to do the mom hugs, you will make all of the queer babies cry so hard. I've grabbed, I've grabbed the, the mom hugs before and it's such a, Um, beautiful representation because so many people coming out do lose their family in one way or another um, to some degree. Uh, Certainly for me, I'm a very different person from who my family expected me to be. And so there's loss on both sides that goes along with that. And being able to see people just excited to see you for who you are and to give you that space to truly be who you are is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. I I love that
0: you have your community there too in Orlando and fuck Ron DeSantis. And I'm sorry for all the things (laughs) happening in your state. We can Um, hex him tonight at the new moon. Yes, please. What what a fascist. My my gosh, like um, like,
1: fight where you are, because what he's doing is he's setting up a blueprint for all of the rest of the states. And the more he gets away with here, which he's going to get away with it because he's got his base here. um, Mm -hmm. It's setting up a blueprint that is terrifying. And so please stay aware Keep fighting against it um, and pay attention to all of the stuff that's buried in those bills. Half of it is not explicit. It's it's ways of creating fear The do not say gay bill and and the removing CRT from the schools is not particularly enforceable. And yet the books are being pulled off of the shelves because the teachers know they can't risk it. Um, and so keep your eyes open.
3: Yeah, super and yes, important. To get we get gotta this. state it. <laughs> and once again, this is where legislative advocacy comes in. And where we get to contact our own state and local and national representatives on these issues, when we're a constituent, they have to listen to us. And it can sway people, even if they're dogmatic a-holes. Like if they get a large number of people calling and saying, This is insane. Like, why are you purporting this? I'm gonna work to Make sure someone else is elected against you. Like that will that turns the tide sometimes for a politician. Like that is their goal is to get reelected till they fucking die. So you know
1: that's a threat. If there were another thing that I would want people who have less contact with the queer community to know, it kind of does go back to your point, point Lindsay, about about making things easier or harder for the queer community. So there's a lot of pieces to it one thing that I've found is there's a lot of not understanding um, where the difficulties come in. So for example, living in Orlando, I'm right near Disney. um, And there's a lot of, Families that come from all over the world to go to Disney. It's their big fun family vacation. Um, it's also super, super queer for the most part. Like half of the cast members are queer. I'm pretty sure there's Disney days, which is a fully gay week of celebration. Um, but then you have the million mom march protesting that, that sort of thing. So there's, there's that that goes on. But the, the reason I set that scene there is because as a queer person, there's a lot more awareness that goes into where and how it's safe to be queer. So one of my partners had an extremely hard time holding my hand or being close to me at Disney because the risk there is really high. We're going to be visible. We're going to be either approached or talked to or even just noticed. And that visibility is exhausting. Um, it it's it's the case with a lot of minorities and it's something that unless you've experienced it, you don't necessarily notice that it's happening. Um, but similarly with with driving through, we would drive from from Florida up to Maryland area and I have, I have this nice uh, little undercut happening here, I would flip my hair to the other side uh, in specific states just to make sure that we weren't going to run into any trouble. Not that we expected it, but we had to be prepared to make sure that we were okay. And that hypervigilance ends up being exhausting. I think it's something that when I express that to especially a lot of evangelicals and and empathetic, empathetic evangelicals, they forget that that's a possibility of a thing. Because because you're accepting, it's easy to assume, okay, yes, I accept you. So the rest of the world does accept you, which is still not the case. Um, And that means that there's a lot of needing to pay attention to what's happening around us needing to protect our our other brothers and sisters who are part of the the LGBTQ community and our nibblings who are part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, But there's a lot that goes into that, that I think while I would love to give myself that same representation as a queer person, I think it's really important to make sure if you are an evangelical who supports the queer community, then stop hiding away from them. Um, go into those communities respectfully, pay attention to them, notice that you're going into their space, but learn about what queer culture is. Watch RuPaul. Um, understand the jokes and, and the joy, but also be aware that that means that a lot of people who want to travel abroad have to do it in a male couple and a female couple and then just pretend that you're everybody else's beards to get through. Hmm.
0: I, I think that's something that a lot of evangelicals just have no even way to wrap their brains around or have a, a concept about because as as white straight people, we just kind of walk through the world without having to think about, you know, our safety and what people think about us. So I think of that as a really important point to bring home and i also will say this is a thing that i harp on often but if you are um still considering yourself a christian or religious and want to attend a church um i am big on do not try to change the church from the inside if you are going to a place that is not lgbtq affirming they are never going to be get out find yourself there are churches out there that are supportive and welcoming of queer folks there are they exist they're few but they do exist, and so if you want to remain in the church and you find a place that is affirming, please, for the love of God, <laughs> I beg of you. So it's the I, yeah, the changing from the inside out. I just I don't think it works. I don't think it happens, people. So just try to pluck those people away with you. That's how you can change it from the inside. Get them to
1: leave. <laughs> yes, I think I think the evangelical church. It did. It stopped ostracizing. So obviously, and it, it just shifted to othering in ways that are so much more painful. If I were kicked out of the church or out of my home, that would be easy because I could identify that moment. But the slow, quiet othering um, and distancing, you end up feeling like you're gaslighting yourself. Like, yes. is this really happening? Am I, is it just something that's wrong with me? And is the wrong thing that I'm gay or that this is what is happening here? Um, so it's a lot to piece together in ways that are painful. So yeah, to your point, when, when you're looking for a church, find one that is full-throatedly loving and supporting you and don't mess with the othering; it'll, it'll just tear apart your mental health.
3: Plus Christians are so busy imagining they're being persecuted. So how can they possibly take the time to imagine anyone else could be persecuted for their lifestyle or beliefs? That's, you know, cause it's, It's always about them
0: trying to take prayer out of school. Sarai.
3: (laughs) you're not allowed to be forced to say a prayer by your principal. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. It's that's our turn now. That
0: is some next level persecution. Okay. (laughs) That is like you look up in the dictionary what persecution is. It is not Not to pray in school. So (laughs) at least out loud with other people, you can actually pray whenever you want. That's the crazy thing about prayer. You can just do it.
2: Honestly, Val, I am so grateful that you're being a person to be representing for another generation of kids and for other people in your generation, honestly, and, and, and boomer generations that are still caught in a world where they can't really live their true selves. So thank you so much for sharing with us and being a person who can show light and love to people. And um, you've always been that. And it just makes me so happy that you get to be that for more people. So I love you you so much. Thank (laughs) you. Now You're going to make me cry. (laughs) Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. AP Weber produced the show. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials, posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok.
1: I'm I'm a bit of a wind up toy. So you'll get me going on a topic and just twist it and I will go as long as you need me to. So you're going to have a lot of fun editing this. <laughs>